John 14, 15, and 16 is his intimate teaching with his disciples. Some of this is some of the most remarkable, helpful, useful direction for us in our Christian walk that we'll find in all of Scripture. And the amazing thing is, here's Jesus giving in this way just hours before his arrest, his torture, his butchering, and his having to be just smeared with the, the impurity of all my sin. All of this is, is in the offing for him, just moments away. But yet here he is determined to settle in and give of himself so fully right up until the final moments that he has the ability to do so. And here we go in, in John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener or vine dresser, depending on your translation. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, it's, uh, it's interesting, the, the, the word is uh, cathars, where we get the word for catharsis um, is the word for, for pruning or clean here. And it's the same word, whether it's prune or clean, it is that idea of a catharsis that is being spoken of in, in this passage. Uh, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes or cleans so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already pruned or clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The power of the word, by the way. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We'll spend more time on this passage on Sunday as well. But I'd like to at least introduce us to a very familiar passage of the vine and the branches. It's a metaphor that's been used for, for uh, all of, of Judaism for hundreds and hundreds of years, going, going back with Isaiah uh, and having a, a stream of that uh, throughout many of the prophets. The, the illustration of the relationship between the vine and God's people. But now Jesus brings it into a bit more of an intimate setting, way more than it was used by any of the prophets in the Old Testament in an intimate way of basically saying to all of us, you are grafted into me, says Jesus. You have the chance to gain all nourishment that can come from the soil, not by you as a branch, being stuck into the ground, that, that won't do it. I have a big oak tree in my backyard, and when the storms come through, many of these massive branches, so big, they almost look as if they're a tree themselves. Uh, and, and they fall in different ways. But sometimes, interestingly, because of the weight of the branch, you know, at the thick end versus the other end, because it has so long to fall, it ends up landing in the ground and just planting itself right into my lawn. And maybe it helps, too, that I have moles and voles that are softening the lawn to a ridiculous degree uh, so that it can find its way deep into the soil there. But nonetheless, you look in the backyard and you think, oh, a new tree. No, it's not a new tree. And as a matter of fact, 
All we'd have to do is just observe it for the next four, five, six days and watch it wither and die completely and all of the leaves shrivel up and in some macabre fashion of decomposition, just simply deconstruct right before our very eyes. Why? Because that branch is no longer connected to all of the nutrients that are in that soil. It may think that it's planted itself in that soil, but there is no possible way to gain all that is there except one way, and that is to be connected into the vine, the trunk itself, which sends down its root system, sends down into the, the nourishing love that is so required for a Christian to be in real vibrant connection and life in God, uh, or in this botany illusion that we've got here uh, for, for, for any of the kind of tertiary uh, appendages of any sort of a plant to have any chance at having nourishment and viability, it has to be absolutely connected to the stem that, that makes its way into the source of all nutrients. Without being connected to the source of all nutrients, we will be not unlike that branch of my oak tree uh, that, that just pulls a, uh, you know, a bit of a, a costume party stunt uh, only to be found out a little while later. Uh, and, and for us, it's, it's rather important to, to recognize that we're designed to be in the vine. That, that is our design. The, the very fact that death seems something that is so unnatural, something against which we rail, some, it, it points to the fact that it, it was never part of the original human design, never part of the original divine design. Uh, that, that instead, that there was something deeper and permanent that, that we find that you know, just seems to kind of cry out inside of us. And, and, and it really is the, the case that in Christ, there will never be real death. Uh, in, in Christ, where, O death, is thy sting? Where, O death, is thy victory? But in Christ, when we are really connected, we will have constant nourishment of the fashion and form that really matters for, for all of time and only to see all of that flourish into something greater and greater. Uh, it's, it's as though, you know, your, your heart is that 30 pin old iPod connector. Uh, and, and the only thing that, that it's meant to fit to, some of you don't even know what that is. Sorry. Wow. I think that that's already like, you know, obsolete from, from even uh, popular illusion. Um, all right. Think of a lightning connector, right? Right. You've got lightning connectors. You've got micro USBs, right? You know, you, you can you can kind of kid yourself in trying to kind of jam a micro USB or USB-C into your lightning connector. And, and maybe sort of kind of you might be able to, I don't know, jury rig that thing in there in some way or fashion or another. But it's, it's not going to, to, to give it the charge. It's not going to in any way animate that which is, is looking for power. We have a, a little Santa Claus in our window. Deb has had it for year upon year upon year. Um, and, and, and this Santa Claus is, what is he holding? A bell and a light or something? You know, and, and he, he kind of does this little, you know, <laughs> Mr. Roboto act of, of sorts or another while, while he's there. And, and, but, 
But unless plugged into a power source, that Santa Claus can do nothing. He just said that light that he's holding is just a bulb. There's nothing to it whatsoever. And, and, that's, and that's all that he is. And, you know, most people would walk by it and think nothing of it. But when plugged in, I mean, the cars come from all around, passing by our home and you know, clogging it up. We have to go out and serve them hot chocolate just for out of gratitude for coming and seeing this remarkable Santa Claus once plugged in and going like this with a, with a real light that we're there. How does this work? How does this work? And, and I get to say, if you too were in the vine, you would know. No. We are all meant to, to have this absolutely life-altering connection to the vine. And in this, this connection to the vine is, is not one that you can accomplish on your own. It's, it's not one where if you take a course of study and apply enough discipline to your life, that suddenly the, the nutrients of, of all divinity will suddenly animate you and, and cause you to have life to the full. Uh, it can only happen because there is an intervention by God that bestows upon you the very Holy Spirit that makes all the difference in the world. It's why this Gospel of John begins with a very accomplished seeker, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus, who is Israel's teacher, who is far beyond all others in his insight into the Bible, and says to, to, to Jesus, we know that you are a great teacher. And yet Jesus says to him, not, well, you know what? If you could just step it up a bit, everything will be all right. No, he says, you need to start over. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of water and spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, this is not some sort of a uh, mechanical operation whereby you do more right things, you attend more services, you read enough data from the inspired word. It's not a mechanical operation. It's an organic operation. It is a, a rebirth that is required in order for this to be your status where you can be in the vine. Now, in the vine, and I've got two points, you have a, a, a vine dresser who makes some things clear. One is, he, he actually says that you're either cut off or cleaned off. And my first point is, cut off. Uh, I'll end on a higher note, by the way. Uh, but cut off, verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I, I, I just say this because it's, it's not some sort of a depth of a value statement of, uh, about you, but if you are bearing no fruit, well, then Jesus wants to make it clear. And in this parable of sorts, or this metaphor that he expands upon, even God wants to make it clear that it's either in or out. There's, there's no sort of like gray area with this new life that we have in Christ. Because if there were some sort of a gray area, we would be tempted to get into it through humanism. Yeah. We'd be tempted to have some sort of a course of study or discipline that might perhaps merit the ability to finally achieve this very status where this could really be ours. 
Uh, but, but it is nothing that we can accomplish in of ourselves. As a matter of fact, he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, there's a, a depth of, of clarity and dichotomy that is laid out here. And it's, it's meant to be a helpful idea here. Because when we recognize, okay, I'm not in. I thought maybe I was in, but I'm not in. It's not an, then an invitation for you to then be cast off. It's an invitation for you in that clarity to recognize, well, perhaps any of this self-effort on my part has not actually achieved what I thought it was achieving. Perhaps I just need to step back and realize that there is a path into this vine, into this life to the full, into this beautiful love-obedience relationship, into this intimacy with God himself that, that perhaps I've missed. And, and let me now, with the clarity that is brought before me, make sure that that is the path that I take. And that's what God wants for every single one of us here. And, and whether you've been coming to this church forever, whether you just happened upon us, whatever the course may be, that if, if in any way you, you are coming about this mechanically, right? You, you maybe come enough, you read enough, uh, you, you attend, you, you give, you, you know, if it's only all about that, and it is, it is not about a, a point in your life where everything changed, where it was no longer your own effort that brought about all possibility for growth in your life, but, but rather finally being connected, this, this interconnectivity into the very source of all beautiful and wonderful power, uh, all that, that, that God wants to, to, to see for you to blossom into who you were always meant to be, well then, then it's this opportunity then for you to step back and to recognize, I think I need to, to step back and realize what is really that path and how can I end up there? Uh, it's, it's unmistakable once it happens. You know, for me, I, I tried many, many different times in my life through all different, you know, kind of courses of study, CCDs, or, you know, uh, 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 working in soup kitchens, uh, even having various Bible studies with a campus minister through my college years. And all of those things were, were really me saying, I need to look like a better person. <laughs> I, I am probably somewhere near the bottom of the sediment of a septic tank uh, in my character right now. And it probably wouldn't do me ill to darken the doorway of a church now and again and maybe do a few good deeds that maybe offsets or at least does a bit of a diversion on people of the depth of who I really am. Now, I, I may kind of characterize that through hyperbole a bit, but there, there was a, a real thought in me that I really want to be right. I want to be good. I want to do good. And, and I would try. But guess what? During all of that, I was never in the vine. And I would have fits and starts and I'd have seasons of doing so, but they never amounted to anything. It never bore fruit that would last. And we'll, we'll study that on Sunday. Uh, that, that being in the vine allows us to bear fruit, fruit that would last. I had fruit of emotionalism. I had fruit of of self-image, self-service, that again could only last so very long before it really did wither and die. And ultimately, God did me a favor because he brought me in front of the scriptures and he helped me to realize, you're cut off. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm a good guy. No, you're cut. No, I'm a good guy. You know, I have this argument with the person who was even trying to show me in the Bible. But once I finally recognized, no, you're not in the vine. You are so clearly cut off it was only, it was really only a matter of, I think, eight days of me saying, from the moment I said, holy smokes, I'm not in the vine. Yeah. 
I am cut off. But there was something about the clarity of that that suddenly brought me to a place of humility, realizing that without him, I can do nothing. And, and with that place of humility, where suddenly it all rushed together and aligned itself. So it's almost like I could see through new eyes to appreciate what the Bible was saying and finally grasping the love of God that was intervening in me by, by him really loving me enough to make it clear where I really stood. And even though I was outside the vine, he still loved me enough to make it clear that you're, you're a branch on the ground. But that's not who I want you to be and that's not who you have to be. Uh, but but the clarity is, is really part of God's love. Now, the, the second point is cleaned off. And this is also an amazing part of God's love. And I mean, all of us that live in this area see what happened to crepe myrtles every year. Right? How many of you even have a crepe myrtle? All right. And so you know that part of you feels like I'm a bad man. Look what I just did to that crepe myrtle. I mean, when you cut back those crepe myrtles, I mean, it is a butchering. I mean, it, it's, it's offensive what you do to your crepe myrtles. And I had crepe myrtles when we lived up in Newport News. And it was the same thing. It was like, wow, what I, what I lopped off. And it was, just seemed so severe, austere in the pruning back of that. But I also knew this is exactly what is required for this tree to, to really blossom into all that it's meant to be. This is a tree and these are branches that are clearly in the vine. I'm not lopping them off beyond recognition. I am bringing them to a place where they're going to be even more fruitful. And you who have had the clarity, entered into the vine, you've been born again of water and spirit, all of that is really who you are. Well, guess what? And now you have a God that you're going to think of with this thought. Um, I, I, I think you're wielding that knife a, a little too eagerly on me, God. But think about, think about when you give a, a vine to a, to a vine dresser, what that vine dresser is going to do. He or she is going to make it that much more fruitful. You give iron ore or gold ore to a refiner, you know what that refiner is going to do? He's going to put it in the hottest temperature that that substance has ever seen to bring it to an even greater strength or a greater purity. You give an athlete to a coach. You know what she's going to do to you? She's going to make you run the extra lap. She's going to make you endure pain greater than any pain you had ever experienced before. And you give a child back from a grandparent to a parent. And you know what that parent's going to do? That parent is going to bring that child back to discipline and say, I'm sorry. You cannot play a fourth hour of Nintendo Switch any longer, ever again, in the rest of your life. And you know what that child's going to say? But if I don't, my friends will all leave me. But if I don't, I'm going to lose my status. But, but if I don't, everybody else is going to get ahead of me and I'll never catch up again. You're ruining my life. And if the parent is really a parent and not a grandparent... A parent's going to hold the line. Why? Because that child needs to be a functioning member of society. And, and that's what's going to be required in, in order for that to be the case. And, and we can all laugh at that. But maybe we also have to recognize, um, why do I not 
realize when I'm railing my fist against God and all of the refining and disciplining that he's bringing my way, the pruning so that I can be even more fruitful, even more effective for him. And you know what? I I need to, to recognize that there is a God who knows better than I. And that when things are seemingly not going my way, that's a beautiful moment in my life. This, this is a time where there's not going to be just some sort of a continuum of growth. There's going to be a quantum moment of growth in, in my life. Uh, and, and so it is. Think of, think of perhaps things that have been cut off from your life. There is nothing cut off from a good God that is not in the end going to be most beneficial for the common good. You are being refined by a brilliant hand curated vine dresser who loves you to death thinks is your biggest fan is your biggest fan even as the knife is coming your way and and is being wielded on those parts of your life that don't need to be there but nonetheless loves you to death and is just excited to see what it is that you're going to become now nobody likes to pray this prayer but oftentimes i've been with people who have you know kind of gotten up the gumption and said okay god Please humble us. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What's this us? You go ahead and pray here. Don't you get me involved in that kind of prayer. No, I, I know better and I know how to, you know, look good on the outside apparently. So I was like, okay, yes, us. Let's go for it. Anyway, no, no, but no. But, but when we are, when we do pray, God, humble us. Humble us. Refine us. Help us to be even more of who we're meant to be. You know that that's a scary moment. And, and it's easy to pray the prayer, but then once we enter into those moments where God is doing that in our lives, it's, and, and this was a year where I did have a moment of like radical pruning. And praise God, it's, it was my favorite moment of, of the year. It, it wasn't the, the, the moment where there was, you know, some great exaltation of a beautiful sunrise or a warm embrace from an old friend. No, it was a time of radical repentance where, where, where friends got into my life and really helped to, to get out the junk that needed to, to come out. At the moment, no fun, but, but afterwards, wow, amazing. Or I, I often look at it this way, is all of this stuff looks ugly in the windshield, but beautiful in the rear view mirror. Right? As you're heading towards it, you're dreading it with all that you've got. But once having experienced it, and now seeing it through the perspective of the rearview mirror, and all objects are much more beautiful in the rearview mirror than they appear. Uh, you know, what does it say in the rear? Or closer to you than they appear? But, but, but then you have perspective and realize, wow, thank you, God, uh, that this was really the case. But um, as, as he says here, I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that. that, that I mean, we'll end on that tonight. Apart from God, you can do nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing of significance. Nothing of sustainability. Nothing that matters in the heavenly realms. We can do nothing. It's, it's all by what comes through the, the, the stem, through the vine, into us that allows us in any way to be effective. We, you may aspire to do some really great godly things, but if we're doing it in and of ourselves, we can achieve 
nothing. We can't love. We can't obey in the way that God wants us to obey. Uh, all that we can do is mechanically go through the motions. But who wants that as your Christianity? Well, why not have a life where the fruit that we bear in the change of our life, the effectiveness we have with other people, is, is a fruit that is supernatural, that is divine, and that makes a difference in the world and makes a difference in, in yourself. And it is sustained as well because it is brought about by God. Who doesn't want that life? Whether it's advancing by an inch or a mile with the Holy Spirit, with the vine, with connection to Jesus, staying in his word, his word then being able to have its effect, its cleansing, pruning effect in us. You are all clean because of the word, Jesus says. When we are in him, all of that is our life. Who doesn't want to have that sort of a trajectory Rather than one of fits and starts, fits and starts, roller coaster of self-reliance that ultimately can only head downward with gravity and never soar and break the gravitational pull of earthly worldliness. Uh, we have that. We break the gravitational pull because we are in the vine. So as we break to our groups and have a chance to discuss, have a chance to discuss in, in what ways is God showing you that there are areas of your life that need to be pruned so that you can be even more fruitful for him. Amen.